more Idaho Matters from the studios of Boise State Public Radio News. I'm Gemma Gaudet. Artist Catherine Polk started drawing before she could even walk, using art to express herself, which wasn't always easy growing up in the Deep South in the 1950s and 60s when women were mostly expected to stay home and not pursue careers in things like art. Well, fast forward to today. And this visiting artist and scholar program at Boise State University is hosting Polk this week on campus. And she'll be talking about her art and she'll be working with BSU students to create a lithograph. And we are lucky enough to have her joining us now. Catherine, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gemma. It's good to be here. So Catherine, can you talk to us briefly about growing up in the South in the 50s and 60s? Because I think sometimes, uh, you know, younger people may not always realize that that art was not a common profession for women at that time. That's definitely true. Um, in fact, I think they thought it might have been just a, a hobby and that was never taken seriously, especially back then. And now that I'm around almost 72, um, looking back to the 50s, they wanted me to be the typical good girl, did my, you know, cooked, learned to type. That was important to my father for me to learn to type, which I never really did. So that I could actually, until I got married, you know, make a living. Mm-hmm. Sounded a little bit, um, but it was a definite separation, you know, re- regarding gender, you know, the roles that we played and especially in the South, the South was, you know, I didn't grow up. uh, I grew up in Tennessee and the city of Memphis and there was a lot of um, political things going on in the sixties. Of course, everybody's Mm -hmm. familiar a lot of what was going on, the rioting and um, the um, understanding of kind of being in this sort of odd I don't know what you might microcosm where it was, you know, one thing. And then when you stepped out and you weren't really looking at the big picture all the time as a child, you sort of are only influenced by the family circle type thing. Mm-hmm. But ours were extremely religious. It was Southern Baptist was um, the religion and um, very interesting with a Southern accent kind of upbringing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so with that, so with that said, Catherine, how important was art for you when it came to being able to express yourself, maybe in ways that you couldn't in what you just described in that really insular environment? Right. Um, my mother probably influenced me the most. She could draw beautifully. And I think I admired her as my role model the most. And wanting to be like her, I would draw draw constantly. And I realized by the time I started first grade, I was, um, it gave me power. Mm. (laughs) It kind of separated me from the rest of the pack because Mm -hmm. teachers began to um, rely on me for certain communications through arts. And whenever the class would do things, I would always be create a prototype or something. And I mean, I'm talking eight years old. It was the strangest thing, but I realized I couldn't communicate as well academically, perhaps with my writings, um, my words, but I could draw my way in and out of things, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, totally. And we should say, I mean, your art is 
all over the world. I mean, I'm talking Paris, it's in Japan, China, New Zealand, Boston, just to name a few places. What do you think it is about your artwork in particular that really has this universal appeal? Well, um, maybe the fact that I'm looking through the eyes of a woman being that myself, I feel that, you know, it would be dishonest for me to think I can think from the perspective of any other thing, like any other gender, any other Mm -hmm. type of person. And when I travel, I'm always curious how the women, uh, the matriarchal is getting along in their countries. Um, And I won't mention too many specifics, but I can tell if there's a good equal kind of distribution of power between men and women. It's It's important to me. And I think when I make my art, it's from that perspective of women, hopefully internationally, as much as it is for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, one of your prints in particular, because Boise State has put out a picture of one of your prints. It's called The Hand That Feeds, and it shows a woman and a, and a wolf. And I have to say, the first time I, th- I saw it, I thought, oh, my gosh, it reminds me of The Wizard of Oz in, in Kansas. So can you yeah. describe this uh, <laughs> a little bit? Oh, sure. It. I know the good thing is, you know, when you're an artist, you don't have to deal with gravity so much and you can play Mm -hmm. around with proportions uh, for the meaning behind the symbols. And my work's filled with symbols. Um, This is actually an image that I saw originally in National Geographic indicated by there was a lumberjack walking down a road and he was, I guess, playing with a dog or a wolf or something. It looked like a wolf dog. And I always like to take and transpose sometimes the what was a male figure with um, a feminine figure because I like the role change, you know, like walking in Mm -hmm. those shoes for a while. And I like that you didn't know if the wolf was biting or playing. And I Ah. I think up to the viewer to sort of read into it their own version. You know, if I tell everybody what my work means, it's kind of takes away that relationship the viewer might have with the work, you know, when they see what they see themselves may not be what I intended. And I love Mm -hmm. that, you know, so they're seeing something entirely personal to themselves, hopefully. And in this case, yeah. Oh, go ahead. um, I do fill in on the peripheral. I, I like to take those liberties and they're, secrets and a lot of my symbolism I have over the years developed icons of um, representation for example I'll tell you a few but I I don't tell all because some are too personal and Mm -hmm. I feel it can also take away the power of the symbol if I tell too much and it might also um, it it would give too much information it would take away the enigma of the piece Mm -hmm. so um, for example, the maple seed as a symbol originated as a symbol for my daughter, but then it evolved into a symbol for hope for women. Um, I'm very concerned about women's rights. Uh, in addition to that, I'm probably also concerned about all human rights because I don't think it's just women alone. Um, but primarily that's what the symbol of the maple seed is. It's a feminine version. So appreciate you talking with us today. And we should note 
that Catherine donated um, this print to Boise State, The Hand That Feeds, and uh, someone can win this drawing. So we're going to put a link to our website so you can learn more about that, boisestatepublicradio.org. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jama Gaudet. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.